Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Today, we're going to be doing a follow-up episode on something we did last July, and that is uh, following up on a case that was decided by the United States Supreme Court this last week. You know, with school boards finding themselves embroiled in controversy in the middle of a culture, perhaps even an ideological war, the U.S. Supreme Court last Thursday upheld the right of a community college board to censure one of its own board members. We often have boards or perhaps board leadership ask us here at Ed Council about what can be done when you have a board member who is speaking out in a way that is counter to the rest of the board perhaps in a way that's harming the school district. This case deals with that issue, at least to a certain extent, and gives us a little guidance as to how courts will uh, or should analyze these issues. The case I'm referring to, of course, is the Houston Community College case versus David Wilson. And I'll start with by just giving you a little bit of background, but if you have the time and or interest, and interest, I should say, you should go back and take a listen to episode 15, where we talk a little bit about this case. But for those of you who are not initiated to this particular set of facts, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about what the case involved that the Supreme Court decided last week. David Wilson was elected to a six-year term on the board of a community college in 2013. Now, this is a nine-member board and each member is elected from a single-member district. Soon after being elected, he found himself at odds with the other board members. Um, he disagreed about any number of policy issues. But he also called board members out for violating the board's bylaws and ethical rules. So in 2016, the board voted to publicly reprimand Mr. Wilson for his conduct. And then following this reprimand, uh, Mr. Wilson stated publicly that he wasn't going to let the public reprimand stop him. So whatever that may mean. So he began this campaign, a public, very public campaign against the other board members. He started doing all sorts of things, including blasting them on robocalls, on the radio, on his own website, and filing for lawsuits against the board which cost the taxpayers somewhere in the neighborhood of $300,000 in legal fees. He even hired a private investigator to see if one of his fellow board members really lived in the district that she represented on the board. And he filed a couple more lawsuits. One of the lawsuits alleged that the board had violated its bylaws by allowing a board member to vote by video conference. And when the board actually excluded Mr. Wilson from a board meeting so that they could discuss the lawsuit that he had filed against them, he again sued them and claimed that the board was preventing him from performing his core duties as a board member. So in 2018, the board, fed up with all of this, decided to publicly censure Mr. Wilson for his conduct. And just to get us all on the same page, when we're talking about a public censure, really it's a, a formal resolution of the board that provides a public statement that the you know from the board regarding inappropriate behavior of one of the individual board members. And so that's what they did. 
in 2018, and the board resolution in this case stated that Mr. Wilson's conduct was, open quote, not consistent with the best interests of the college, close quote, and, open quote, not only inappropriate, but reprehensible, close quote. So that was the public censure, that his actions or his conduct was not consistent with the best interests of the college and not only inappropriate, but reprehensible. They also took certain actions to impose penalties against Mr. Wilson, and the, the resolution said that uh, Mr. Wilson was ineligible for election to board officer positions for like a calendar year and was ineligible for reimbursement for any college-related travel and that his future request to access funds in his board account for community affairs would require board approval. So they took away some of his privileges that most of the board members received. And the board also limited his training, or actually, they, excuse me, they, what they did do is they required him to take on additional training that related to governance and ethics. So in the wake of this public censure with these additional penalties, Mr. Wilson responded by amending one of his lawsuits to add a First Amendment claim contending that the censure violated his right to free speech by exercising free speech. These actions taken by the board were uh, retaliatory for him exercising his right to free speech. So that goes to the federal district court, and the federal district court dismissed the case, said he did not have a viable First Amendment claim. So that's taken up by Mr. Wilson on appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and the Court of Appeals decided that Mr. Wilson did have a viable First Amendment claim that the censure violated his free speech rights. But he didn't have a claim as to the other steps the board had taken, for example, precluding him from serving as an officer and those sorts of things. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals said, "Eh, you really don't have a right to that in the law. Therefore, we're going to say that that was not uh, a viable claim of First Amendment retaliation. On Thursday, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled in this particular case, and they unanimously, unanimously reversed the judgment of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And there were a number of different things that they said in the context of this decision, and it's uh, we can kind of go through uh, pieces of it, but there were certain things that kind of stuck out to me uh, about the case that was decided by the Supreme Court. You know, one of the things that uh, I probably should say at the outset is that this was a case where the decision was limited in the sense that they didn't deal with the issue of the deprivation of the additional privileges. For example, they didn't deal with the issue of whether or not he can serve as an officer. They didn't deal with the issue of whether or not he could access certain funds or even be excluded from a board meeting. Those things were not dealt with. The U.S. Supreme Court decision deals only with the public censure and the verbal public censure that was issued by the board in the particular case. And among the things that the Supreme Court said is that a reprimand, no matter how strongly worded, does not materially impair freedom of speech, especially when the censure at issue before us was a form of speech by the other elected representatives on the board. In other words, it couldn't be an infringement of his free speech rights 
because the people that were uh, speaking out, uh, the other elected board members, have free speech rights too. The court, in an opinion that was authored by Justice uh, Gorsuch, noted that elected bodies in the United States have long exercised the power to censure its members. Uh, Members of Congress have, have long been censured by their fellow members for matters ranging from unethical conduct to simply insulting the speaker. So those were things that the court noted as a part of it. There were other things that were pointed out by the court in this decision. And here's a quote that uh, from Justice Gorsuch's opinion. In this country, we expect elected representatives to shoulder a degree of criticism about their public service from their constituents and their peers and to continue exercising their free speech rights when the criticism comes. In other words, you can pretty much expect this as an elected official, and you just need to understand you're going to be criticized. The First Amendment surely promises an elected representative like Mr. Wilson the right to speak freely on questions of government policy, but just as surely it cannot be used as a weapon to silence other representatives seeking to do the same. So as the court put it, uh, this is really not a matter for litigation. It's something for you to argue about uh, amongst yourselves. Uh, As the court put it, argument and counterargument, not litigation, are the weapons available for resolving this dispute. And this kind of flows with what you'll find in most jurisprudence, whether it's uh, at the federal level or perhaps at the state level in Missouri, but courts just don't like to get involved in disputes among political figures among elected officials, they uh, look at it as a situation where the, the people can sort it out as they go to the, the ballot boxes. So the decision, as I said, was limited to verbal censure, and it doesn't address the other steps that were taken by the board. And even though those were parts of the Court of Appeals decision, it might have been nice to know how the court would have weighed in on uh, or what they would have decided with respect to excluding a board member from a board meeting, because we have to do that sometimes, in particular, if they've sued the school district. You know, there are a number of different things that uh, it would have been good to find out, but this case was limited to the verbal censure. And as to that verbal censure, the court looked at it and determined it really wasn't enough of a material adverse action against Mr. Wilson to infringe upon his uh, First Amendment rights. Basically, the court viewed the public censure as a form of speech from elected representatives of the board, rather than just a government uh, speech, if you will, by adopting the resolution. To put it uh, in the words of the court, everyone involved was an equal member of the same deliberative body. As it comes to us, too, the censure did not prevent Mr. Wilson from doing his job did not deny him any privilege of office, and Mr. Wilson does not allege it was defamatory. At least in these circumstances, we do not see how the board's censure could have materially deterred an elected official like Mr. Wilson from exercising his own right to speak. The court went on to point out that the public censure, in fact, did not really stop Mr. Wilson from speaking out. Uh, As they said, doubtless by invoking its censure authority in the second resolution, the board added a measure of sting, but we cannot see how that alone changed the equation or materially inhibited Mr. Wilson's ability to speak freely. 
Justice Gorsuch wrote in his opinion, and then noted that the, the court's opinion was a fairly narrow one. The court was careful to point out that there are some circumstances in which verbal censure could infringe on individuals' rights. And as they put it, in rejecting Mr. Wilson's claim, we do not mean to suggest that verbal reprimands or censures can never rise to a First Amendment retaliation claim or never give rise to a First Amendment retaliation claim. It may be, for example, that government officials who reprimand or censure students employees, or licensees may in some circumstances materially impair First Amendment freedoms. As Justice Gorsuch put it, our case is a narrow one. It involves a censure of one member of an elected body by others, other members of the same body. It does not involve expulsion, exclusion, or any other form of punishment. It entails only the First Amendment retaliation claim, and not any other claim or any other source of law. The board censure spoke to the conduct of official business, and it was issued by individuals seeking to discharge their public duties. So there you have it. That's the decision uh, involving the Houston College Community College Board and uh, Mr. David Wilson. So there are some takeaways for us here in Missouri as school boards look at this issue. I think we all recognize that there are limited tools available to our school board members in dealing with a board member who is not in league, not in step with uh, the remainder of the board, what I call sometimes dissident board members, people that are opposed to official policy of the board. And so there are some takeaways here that we probably ought to consider. First of all, I would say that boards can censure a member for inappropriate conduct. That's clear now. Uh, so if the board wants to do that, it can do that and have that public admonishment of an individual board member. It is not so clear on those other things that were mentioned in the case. You know, for example, can they be excluded from a meeting? Is, you know, is there authority to do that? And can we do that without infringing upon their First Amendment rights? Well, that's a, a residual question that's going to have to be dealt with another day. Can other privileges be limited? Can we you know, preclude them from being officers or serving on committees or those sorts of things? Well, those also are questions that would have to wait uh, another day, another decision. Uh, so we don't have the answers to that. But we do know that boards are free to make clear as a board uh, what its official position is and that it is uh, free to criticize, admonish an individual board member. And, you know, I think this is an important distinction and one that I often talk to boards about when they get into this situation. You are not, as a board, in any way inhibited or precluded from making it clear that the position of the board is not the same as that dissident board member. And, you know, so it's, it's certainly fair for the board to make it clear that your position is not the position that that person is representing to the public. This comes up in a couple of contexts. Uh, one example would be, for instance, if there's a ballot measure that's before the board and maybe you have an individual board member that's decided that they're against that ballot measure, although the majority of the board has voted in favor of having the ballot measure. That's a particular situation where certainly the other members of the board and the board as a whole, with the exception of that individual's vote, I suppose, could uh, certainly uh, reasonably state that it is not the position of the board. Another example that comes up, 
We sometimes have individual board members that make statements that could be construed as discriminatory for certain classes of individuals that may be our students or patrons or employees. And uh, we can certainly come out and, and make that very clear that that is not the position of the board and it is something that it's just simply the statement of that individual. I think that the, the other thing that I would point out is that when we look at a public censure at a board meeting, um, that's a resolution that's adopted by the board that would be condemning, if you will, the individual board member's conduct. I still think it's just as valuable to have those individual board members make their own statements at the board meeting where you're doing that. And certainly nobody can claim that you don't have a right to do that. And and as an individual elected official, you can uh, make clear that your individual views are different than the views of that individual board member who is the subject of the censure or reprimand. So I think there are some things that can be taken away from the case. It, it is unfortunately not quite as as broad in, in scope as, as maybe what we would like to get a decision, but it is a, a good one in the sense that it, it does not impede a board from censuring a board member if that's what they choose to do, because as we all know, there are very limited tools for addressing individual board member misconduct uh, available to the remaining board members. So with that, there you have it. The U.S. Supreme Court case involving Houston Community College and versus David Wilson. And that's where we stand on public censures under the First Amendment when it comes to Missouri school boards issuing public censures of their individual board members. I think they can do that without infringing upon the free speech rights of that individual board member. I want to take a moment just to say thank you, listeners, for taking the time today to listen to Ed Council Insights. Hope you'll follow and share our podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can check us out at our website. Just Google Ed Council, that's E-D-E-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, all one word, and you'll find us there. Glad we could be together today, and thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.